With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Talking Point. Ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix, the European season is just about to start in Formula One and here is what's coming up on today's show. Barcelona is traditionally a time for cars to bring significant upgrades to their cars, so we will be looking at who is doing what. A few races into the season now, we'll take a look at who the best and worst drivers have been in 2022 so far. And then we'll look ahead to the Spanish Grand Prix where Carlos Sainz is looking for his first victory in Formula One and hopefully his first at home too. But first now, we look towards the team's upgrades for the season. So to join me is John Wilde and Oliver Harden. Gents, how are we? Good, thanks. Yeah, excited for race week. Yeah, Oliver, yourself? Very well, yeah. Good. So it's the start of the European season. We've got the doubleheader of Spain and Monaco coming for us in the next week or so. But this is now the time for teams to really start building up their cars, isn't it, John? And um, Aston Martin look to be the ones who have made the most ground. Yeah, they have a lot of ground to make up, don't they? Aston Martin, um, been a really poor start to the season for them. Struggled to get any points together so far. They, they finally sort of make the break, breakthrough a couple of races ago. But uh, yeah, it has been a struggle. And uh, they're talking about some pretty big upgrades, even to the extent of perhaps even half a car I've been reading. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll we see what those uh, upgrades, uh, what difference they can make and see if they can put, push themselves further up the grid and uh, up into the points. Yeah, and Oliver, and that's that's a key point as well, isn't it? I mean, there's there's talk of it almost being a B spec car just five races into the season. I mean, above all, being an admission that whatever they've designed for the start of this season hasn't quite gone right. I mean, at least it's a show of intent that they're looking to get on top of it quickly. Yeah, they've had a really terrible start to the season. Um, they've struggled most of all um, of most of the teams with the porpoising phenomenon that we've seen up and down the grid. Um, which is strange, really, because when you see onboard footage of the car, they don't seem to have as much porpoising as, as the rest of the teams at first glance. But that perhaps maybe is an indication of, of how much porpoising they're suffering and how high they have to, have to um, run the ride height so they can eradicate it, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, as far as Strong's, uh, you know, grand plans for this team is is a concern. It's been a terrible start to the season so far. 
and John, from that point of view as well, at least, you know, at least they're trying to be proactive from that point of view. And there's there's talk that they may only be able to run these upgrades on one car, Lance Strolls. I mean, at the time of recording, we have approached Aston Martin for comment on this. So if there is any updates since we've recorded, then it will be on planetf1.com. So if, if they are able to do that on one car, it's better than none, I guess. Yeah, it's looking very much as though it would be Lance Stroll's car rather than Sebastian Vettel's, wouldn't it? Um it's entirely down to the team what what the reasons for that are um it's up to people to uh, to sort of make uh, deductions for themselves on that but um i think what they will be looking to do is is for sebastian vettel to uh, to run the old spec car if if that's how it turns out and and sort of com- compare the data between the two but um you know, regardless of, of whether it's on one car or two, they need to make some big improvements pretty quickly or they'll find themselves cut adrift near the bottom of the standings. And one team that did find themselves almost cut adrift um, outside the points in Miami was McLaren, but they have confirmed as well over that they're bringing upgrades to their car this weekend. They've, um, they did say early in the season that how well they'd be doing would depend on the tracks and that, that sort of has rung true, really. It has, yeah, and we have to remember that they excelled at, at Barcelona in pre-season testing. Um, obviously didn't go too well at the start of the season, but obviously Lando did. Um, Lando Norris did score that podium in Emily. It does seem like they're slowly getting there to, to where they were last season. Yeah, slowly but surely, John. It's uh, it's a very strange one from their point of view, having been so up and down. Especially, like, I think Miami is is a prime example of that. Really, I mean, neither car really looked like they were going to score points even in the race before Lando Norris had that crash. No, they've just been so unpredictable, haven't they? I mean, Lando Norris's results graph was looking very promising before Miami he got the podium at Imola, didn't he? I think it was seventh, fifth, third. Was it even going to look like a win, you know, to continue that graph at, uh, at Miami? But it it didn't, you know, showed no signs of uh, working out like that whatsoever. And obviously, in the end, he had that collision with Pierre Gasly and uh, and crashed out when, you know, a points finish was about as much as he could have uh, taken from that. So, yeah, it remains to be seen what they can do in Barcelona. But uh, certainly, they've been pretty much all over the place in terms of their uh, achievements so far. And Barcelona is the track where probably the most upgrades are seen in Formula One, especially the early part of the season, because just because, Oliver, there is so much data that the teams already have. So in terms of upgrades themselves, this is probably the prime place to do it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a really good opportunity to compare where they were in pre-season. Well, obviously, the first test took place in Barcelona. Um, it's a good um, opportunity to see how far they've prog- progressed or, or in some cases otherwise since then. Uh, but one team who really, really still needs to progress is Mercedes, John. I mean, they they say they're starting to find answers. They call themselves specialists in bouncing after uh, after Miami. But, you know, it, it's, there's been this talk all season, but they're sort of slowly getting there. They're getting there. But it doesn't look like there's been too much progress yet. So hopefully Barcelona will be a good sign for them. Yeah, we've just heard from Toto Wolff this morning in the uh, the team's preview of the Spanish Grand Prix. He says they've got some, and I quote, some answers and indications uh, from Miami in terms of setup and things like that, that uh, they're going to try out in Barcelona. I mean, it, th- there's been talk that they might even sort of consider going back to scratch with the the. the, the design of the car, uh, which would be a pretty radical um, uh, attempt to, to work out what's troubling them. But um, I, I just get the impression that um, there doesn't look to be too much in the way of uh, big upgrades coming from from Mercedes at Barcelona. I think it, it was, you know, it sounded a bit of a sort of a corporate um, message from Toto that, um, yes, we've, we've got some things that we can try out and we're hopeful. But um 
Uh, I wouldn't say um, we're going to suddenly see them sort of competing for pole positions and, and wins this weekend. Uh, I think it might take a, a fair bit longer before uh, before that's in the offing. Yeah, one thing I found interesting before um, after Miami Oliver was the fact that Wolf did say, you know, that they're kind of confident in in the car concept that they still have, but they've not yet capitulated in his words and gone to uh, gone to simpler solutions. So it may have a sort of short term effect of like having a, uh, a simpler design on the car may be faster now, but from the sounds of it, what they're what they're trying to do is hopefully going to be faster for them further down the line. So it, it looks like a waiting game for them. Yeah, it does feel like, you know, they, they could be getting there. Um, there was obviously that Friday performance in Miami where they were just, uh, it was almost as if if the start of the season never happened. They seem to have been stumbling around in the dark a lot at the beginning of this season, not really knowing why why they're slow, not really knowing why they're fast, and as, as was the case in Miami either. And maybe, uh, you know, their performance that day was maybe just a slight glimmer of glimmer of hope to give them a sense of, a sense of direction going forward. Um, I was reading Adrian Newey's book over the winter at last, and he said uh, the the main aims when when it comes to new regulations is to find something that can be a concept that can be evolved over you know the the length of the regulations, but also which is quite difficult for rival teams to copy. Uh, and you know Mercedes have 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 um, committed to that with the with the zero side pod concept, um, and the fact that they show no real signs of of you know backing out of it just yet shows they still do believe that that there is potential there. And that's it, John, isn't it? You, you see these innovations, but like from Mercedes' point of view, it's almost like, well, again, it's the, it's the waiting game point because once that seems to click for them, they they could well be mixing it right at the top again. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other quotes that uh, Toto came out with in his preview was that um, in terms of the season, we're just coming up to the, if it was a basketball game, we're just coming up to the end of the first quarter. So there's an awful lot of the game left to go, uh, a lot of uh, time for things to turn around for them. So if they can find a, a solution to to the porpoising and, and what's been troubling them so far. There's still sort of 17, 18 races for them to to make up the ground. And they're not that far away uh, in, in terms of the standings in the constructors. They've been managing to sort of notch up the points as they go along. And they're in no man's land, aren't they? They're sort of quite a way behind second place and quite a way ahead of fourth. But if they suddenly got to a position by, say, mid-season going into the second half, whereby the, the regular sort of starting on the front row and getting first and second places in races, then they can eat into those deficits very quickly. And uh, uh, it would be dangerous to rule them out completely at this stage. I mean, it would probably be a very big ask for them, but one of the teams they are trying to catch is Ferrari, and they are supposedly bringing upgrades with them to Spain as well. And uh, Mattia Benotto said, Oliver, that they're probably maximum about two tenths behind Red Bull at the moment, but Red Bull are still looking quite imperious. So it's looking like a tough task for Ferrari, even with these upgrades working. Yeah, I, I really liked what Ferrari did um, last week. They, they had the um, the filming day at Monza. I think in the, in this age of limited practice time, I think that's a really good good uh, move from them. Do you know, uh, so they they do have some real world data when they rock up in Barcelona to begin to begin practice, so they can spend more time optimizing it. Um, obviously, Verstappen has won the last two races. The, there does seem to be some momentum building there, but uh, you know everything's riding on this on this package to for Ferrari to strike back. And that's, that's another point, John. I mean, we don't know exactly what Ferrari ran in this filming day, but they did this tyre test at Imola and, you know, every everything was confirmed that everything was above board, so they weren't running any new parts or anything like that. So this filming day is a slight unknown for them, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's a good chance for them to get, you know, any track time is good track time, isn't it? But doing it around Monza too, that's that's something that's, uh, that they can lean on for this 
Absolutely. And the other thing was Charles Leclerc was also on track at Monaco on Sunday, wasn't he? Driving uh, an old car with oh, Nicky Lauders. But um, <laughs> that, uh, that didn't go very well at all, did it? Because he took the rear wing off uh, off the car. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a big couple of races ahead for Ferrari, I think. Um, the, these are tracks that should suit them more than, than Miami by the look of things. But obviously with uh, Charles Leclerc's terrible record at Monaco, uh, which is coming up just uh, a week and a half from now, um, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he'll hope to get a really strong performance in Spain under his belt and then he can turn attention to Monaco and, uh, and try and redress that, uh, that dreadful record he has on his, uh, his home circuit. Yeah, we should say for clarity as well that, that his brakes failed. He didn't just pile it into, into the barrier at Rascas. So it was uh, Nicky Lauda's 1979 Ferrari as well. So probably a very, very, very valuable piece of kit. So uh, from his point of view, Oliver, he'd, um, hopefully the, the Monaco curse is, uh, has gone for him already. But it's, it's looking like a very big weekend for Ferrari, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Verstappen was obviously Verstappen and Red Bull have obviously stepped up in recent times. Um, it obviously didn't help when when Leclerc spun towards the end in Imola. He did manage to recover a few points out of that. But yeah, um, it's been a while since you know the last win now, so they really do need to get to winning ways to to protect the uh, protect the points lead. And now five races into the season as well, we are going to take a quick look at the uh, the best and worst drives of 2022 so far. We're using that Toto Wolf analogy of it being the first quarter of the basketball game, John. Um, we're I think we're all pretty much in agreement that the two very best drivers of the season have been Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. But we're going to take a look a little bit uh, behind that. So, so John, you've written a feature for us uh, site PlanetSport.com on uh, who you feel has stood out the most this season, and uh, the first one you picked is George Russell. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Max and Charles speak for themselves, don't they? They've been in a class of their own. So I had to add three more drivers to um, to the list. And the first one was was George Russell. And um, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult not to be impressed by the way that he's come in at Mercedes. Um, it's a difficult you know, scenario for him, isn't it? Because the car is is nowhere near as competitive comparatively as it has been in the past. But um, he's made the most of it. He's the only driver to finish in the top five in every race this season. And in the last four of those, he's finished ahead of Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's, he has had a bit of good fortune on his side, but I think he's driven really, really well. Um, he has been quite vocal about the the car and, and the porpoising, but uh, but that's no bad thing. It's it's good for him to, to get his message across and, and, and sort of in the efforts to try and improve the car. And yeah, I mean, his consistency and his, well, I was going to say his pace. I mean, he, he struggled a little bit in qualifying at Miami, might not necessarily have been all down to him that, but um, good performance in the race, took advantage of the timing of the safety car after starting on the hard tyres. And uh, and he's, he's got a big lead over Hamilton in the championship. And I think that's as much as you could ask for from him at this stage. That's over 23 points, the gaff. I mean, obviously, Lewis Hamilton has had his fair share of bad luck, where Russell's had his fair share of good luck at, at that time. But it's it's already looking like Russell is, you know, more than a match for Hamilton in the same car. And we knew things would be close between them this season, but maybe not this close. Yeah, the gap is 23 points, but I think Hamilton would say it might as well be 80 because they're not in, in you know, contention for, for, for victories and titles at this stage of the season. Uh, he's adapted very well. I think a, a large element of it has been luck, but also psychology. You know, Russell has, has never known anything different from the Mercedes. He's, he has everything to gain. And Lewis, obviously, coming from, from losing the World Championship in the circum, circumstances that he did last season, it's a very difficult um, thing to take to suddenly be be scrapping over points, but Russell, as far as he's concerned, um, it's it's been a very very encouraging start for him. 
And his <laughs> the man he replaced at Mercedes, John Valtteri Bottas. I mean, he's looked like we said before about how he looks like a man reborn on this uh, on this podcast before, and he he really does, doesn't he? I mean, thirty points in now for Mayo, just five races in. That's that's a real sign of just how much he seems to be enjoying his driving at the moment. Yeah, I took a few uh, few knocks from marking him down a little bit after his performance at Miami, where he made that mistake uh, that conceded two places to the two Mercedes drivers late on. Uh, I think probably uh, you know should have given him a bit of a higher rating for that in in retrospect. But um, in defence, it was about two two o'clock in the morning when I was writing it. So, um, but no, on the whole, Valtteri's had a, a really really good season. I think so far he's coming as you say he's got thirty points on the board already. Xiao Guan Yu, his teammate, has, has just got the one that he picked up in Bahrain. I mean, obviously, he's a lot more experienced, Bottas. So, you know, you can't really read too much into that stat. But he's, you know, he's showing that, um, you know, he, he's very much the driver still that he's been for the last seven or eight years in Formula One. You know, he had a 100% record of winning Constructors' Championships at Mercedes. You know, he, he was in some people's eyes, perhaps a little bit unlucky to um, to have been given the heave-ho last season. But he's coming at Alfa Romeo, who've got a much more competitive car comparatively than they had, they had previously, and he's made the most of it. He's yeah, been absolutely. up there. He, he quali- sorry, he qualified fifth in Miami, finished seventh. He's had four top eight finishes, and I think that's a, a really good testament to uh, to what he's been producing for them. And he said there's been nothing personal in uh, in the sort of fights he's been having with the Mercedes Oliver, but I think uh, especially in Imola chasing down George Russell and being in the mix with them in Miami, I mean that he must have had a smile on his face doing that. Yeah, it must be a good uh, moment whenever Toto and Valtteri cross cross each other's paths in the paddock <laughs> at the minute. Um, it was a real shame that is that is mistake in Miami let let both Mercedes through. Um, he does, as John said a few weeks ago, it does it does feel like Bottas has been uh, almost taken back to his Williams days. Where you know he's no longer the the disappointing, uninspiring number two to Hamilton, but you know the the driver with everything to gain. He obviously reveling in the in the authority and the freedom that he has at Alpha, and yeah, it's been a really uh, good start season. Good to see for him as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty much the the widely held view that everyone's pleased to see it, John, aren't they? I mean, he's he's extremely well liked within Formula One, clearly. And for him to now have this freedom, he, he just looks like someone who is just, yeah, as I said before, just really enjoying himself. Yeah, very, very talented driver. That's why he got the opportunity at Mercedes in the first place when Nico Rosberg uh, retired so uh, abruptly um, at the end of his 2016 World Championship uh, campaign. But yeah, he's, he's come in there. He's the team leader. He's um, Alfa Romeo building everything around Bottas. He's there to act as something of a, a mentor to Zhu as well. And uh, yeah, he's, he's making the most of his opportunities. 30 points on the board, going well in the championship. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him on the podium at some stage this season. It's a bold claim, but you uh, you lead us on to your last driver who you have chosen as one of your best drivers of the season so far, and that's Alex Albon. In, when you speak of uh, drivers making the most of, of their opportunities so far, I mean, he, he really has done that, hasn't he? Yeah, he definitely has. Um, he scored two uh, points in two races so far, and uh, a lot, you know the vast majority of that has been down to Albon, I think, rather than the car. I don't, I don't think that Williams is a, a point-scoring car by any means um, in in the sort of normal 
run of events, but um, you know, he he produced a, a sort of a tire preservation masterclass, didn't he, in Australia to uh, to finish tenth there. He added a, another couple of points to his tally in Miami last time out. Uh, when you compare it to where his teammate is, who's constantly at the back, Nicholas Latifi, you know, Albon is is filling the boots uh, that George Russell vacated last season. Very, very well indeed. And um, he's absolutely getting 100% and, and more out of a Williams that um, is, you know, really should be sort of one of the back marking cars. Yeah, and Oliver, it's, uh, it seems like Albon is almost uh, having a Bottas-esque season in that now that he's not got the pressure of a high-flying teammate next to him, he's being able to uh, sort of like so-called spread his wings himself, hasn't he? Yeah, it really suits him, Williams. Um, I must admit, I was concerned that that, you know, Williams really would struggle in, in life after Russell. He was obviously such an important part of that team. But Albon, it, it came to my attention recently that he's been doing some work with um, Rob Wilson, who's coached people like Kimi Raikkonen, Bottas himself in the past, uh, working on the technique. It's it's obviously it's obviously paying paying dividends. Um, and he, he really is um, an effective performer for them this season, yes. And unfortunately, now we must sort of look at the drivers on the flip side of that, really. Um, the, the people who really sort of haven't lived up to expectations, John. I mean, I think, unfortunately, all three of us are in agreement that Nick Satifi is kind of in that bracket, isn't he? Where uh, where Albon and, and Latifi were, were teammates in Formula 2, they just kind of look a pass apart at the moment, really. Yeah, the careers have uh, diverged quite markedly since then, haven't they? Um, and Latifi, there's, I'm afraid there's just been no promise from him whatsoever has the all season. He's just been sort of consistently qualifying on the back row, producing nothing in, in races. He said he's found the car very difficult to drive. Um, unfortunately, he does get tagged with the label pay driver, doesn't he? Because of the, the funding that his father brings to the Williams team. But um there is a suspicion now that his days could be numbered because of the fact that Williams are bringing Nick DeVries in for um, uh, a free practice one run on Friday in Spain. Um, not in place of Latifi, actually, but in place of Alex Albon. But um, it, that does make you actually even even more suspicious that, uh, that you know, the writing might be on the wall for Latifi because if, if they'd taken Latifi out of the car, that might have sort of just, you know, flag things up a little bit more than the team would have wanted to perhaps um but um yeah th- there is this rule in place now where whereby teams have to give a, a rookie driver an fp1 outing or two per season and uh the Vries is actually the first one who who comes in for that in in spain and uh we'll see what he can do but um if he if he puts on a, a sort of a, a relatively sparkling performance and uh and shows up latifi then um it, it could be uh uh, quite a, a sign of things to come, I think. And I know it's all speculation for for now, Oliver. But the fact that Williams have gone for a Mercedes reserve rather than uh, their own Roy Nassani for for FP one is, is is a little sign of something, surely. Quite possibly, yeah. But I think we also have to remember that you know they 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 picked a Red Bull a Red Bull driver in Alex Albon, yeah, of course, for, yeah. the, for the full time seat of the season over Nick DeVries. Um So yeah, it's perfectly possible. I think it's it's becoming harder and harder for, for Latifi to justify his place on the grid. Um, he used to be just slow, now he's just adding crashes to that, particularly in Saudi Arabia and uh, and uh, Australia as well, with 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 strong and qualifying. Um, and I think you know, since the takeover of Williams um, a couple of years ago, I don't think the same need for his funding is there like it used to be. So all of a sudden, he's he's incredibly vulnerable. I think, yeah. Yeah, and um, Jos Capito said, John, earlier in this, well, I think even after Miami, that replacing him mid-season is just, it's just not going to happen. But it makes you wonder how patient they're going to be with him, even even through all this. 
Yeah, I think the team would, would have to deny it, wouldn't they, at this stage? Um, you know, they can't really sort of leave the door open, can they, to, you know, to suggesting that um, that he might be replaced because he'd just be asked about it after every race, wouldn't they, pretty much? But, um, yeah, I mean, Latifi needs to improve big time, you know, as soon as possible. But quite frankly, I, I'm not seeing those signs that it's going to happen. And um, I really do think the writing's on the wall for him at this stage. And let's move on now, Oliver, to someone who it feels kind of harsh to put him in the bracket of worst driver of the season, but possibly one of the most underwhelming, at least, Mick Schumacher. He's uh, he's looked, I mean, he's looked closer to Kevin Magnussen in the last couple of races, but he still just hasn't, you know, he hasn't quite got that edge about him yet, has he? Yeah, he looked very impressive alongside uh, Mazepin last season, his rookie season, but there are levels and there are levels. And I think Magnussen coming in and performing at the level as he had has kind of um, exposed Schumacher. Um, I don't think he quite has the potential that many people would like him to like him to have. Obviously, a lot of people are rooting for him because where he comes from. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't help himself with the crashes. It's something he hasn't ironed out from his rookie season. Obviously, the crash in, um, in Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia qualifying. Um, it's it's all of a sudden he, he doesn't have the same uh, shine as he did last season. And we were actually on on the topic of crashes. I mean, crashing into Sebastian Vettel in Miami as well, John. I mean, we we've spoken about the possibility of him like overdriving to try and get himself into the points, and that that still seems to be the case for now, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree with with Oliver there in in what he said. Um, I think the thing with Mick is he might just be trying a, a little bit too hard. Um, I mean, Kevin Magnussen was was one of the drivers that I very nearly put into the the, the five best. He, he missed out. I think I wrote it. He, he missed out by a sort of a metaphorical few thousandths of, of a second <laughs> compared to to Alex Albon. It was a real photo finish between them. Uh, I had them both written down on my list, and eventually put the line through through Magnussen. You know, quite harshly, it could be said. But um, you know, the way he's come back into the team. Um, and he's been racking up the points. I think he's got fifteen points now. Mick's yet to score. You know, Mick. Mick he, he could scent the points in Miami, couldn't he? As the race was sort of degenerating into a bit of a mistake fest towards the end, wasn't it? With with drivers perhaps getting a bit tired and hot in in the in the difficult conditions there, and he sent one up the inside of Vettel and unfortunately took them both out of the race. And um, yeah, that's that's exactly the sort of thing that he doesn't need to be doing. And um, it has happened sort of once or twice too often during his career so far. I think he just needs to, rather than try too hard, just just sort of tone it down a, a notch and uh, just let his talent flow a bit more. And then hopefully we'll see him open his account before too long. From Mick's point of view, Oliver, I mean, he clearly has the pedigree in Formula 2 and Formula 3 that he's brought with him to Formula 1. And Gunter Steiner sort of made the point that he now needs to get used to racing other cars in Formula 1. I mean, he's not had the chance to do that, but... Do you think once he's able to iron that out, that he'll be able to sort of climb back up towards Magnussen? It's a question of getting that first point that's going to show over the line, I think. And once he does that, he's going to fly. Um, you know, but the problem is, you know, the longer he waits, the more crashes he makes and the more mistakes he makes trying to trying to get that first point that's going to show over the line. You know, it's it's going to breed pressure. And pressure, as we know, breeds more mistakes. So um you know, it, it's 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 all a matter of, of that first top ten finish and the confidence that will breed for him. Yeah, absolutely. But there are a couple of drivers that we probably need to give mentions to in this, at least. And uh, John, you put uh, you put Pierre Gasly forward in this. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I mean, just as a um, a driver who's kind of just underwhelmed me a little bit this season. Really, I'm not saying there's been anything particularly too wrong with the way that Gasly's performed at all. I still think he's got lots and lots of potential and could well be a driver for a top team eventually. But um, just 
just don't feel he's really kicked on this season is the way I would describe it compared to last year. I mean, I know the Alpha Tauri hasn't been as competitive generally, but um, I think there's been a bit of a sort of a, um, a difference between the performances of Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, his teammate. I think Tsunoda has pushed on towards Gasly a bit more this season. Um, Gasly's not been consistently qualifying in the top six uh, as he was sort of this time last year. Um I mean, I, again, like I say, the car isn't as good, but um, I, I would like to see a bit more from Gasly, and um, you know, hopefully he'll uh, he'll return to to his best form in the next few races. Yeah, Oliver. I mean, he still it looks like he's kind of auditioning for um, for a top drive, doesn't he? I mean, his his contract to AlphaTauri isn't up until the end of next season, so we should we should make that clear. But it's he probably needs to get back on form, doesn't he? If he's going to keep his name in the mix for these top seats when they become available. Yeah, and his loss of form has come at, come at a really bad time actually for his prospects going forward. You know, obviously he's been he's been riding on a wave for the last two seasons, obviously with that victory in Monza and a host of other um, stunning performances. Um, he hasn't been helped that you know Alpha Tauri have probably taken a bit of a step back this season, as well as Sonoda to come in come in come into the fore. Um, but uh, it has come at a bad time for him in terms of his uh, in terms of his his career going forward. Yeah, definitely. But um, the last person that we should mention here, Oliver, I mean, is Daniel Ricciardo. Of course, he's, uh, Zach Brown did say that, or Andreas Seidel, sorry, said that he's looking closer to his best form this season. But even then, I mean, like, Let's let's make it clear that in Miami he he was left kind of dehydrated because his uh, his drink wasn't filled up as uh, as much as it would have been usually and especially in that heat that would not have been helpful for him but he's he's still just not quite that Daniel Ricciardo we know even after all this time yeah it does feel like the excesses of uh, you know the last few seasons maybe caught up with I've seen you know quotes about him trashing a, a hotel room uh, I, I think we should make that clear it was quite a while ago I think I was. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was. Sorry yeah. about them. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I do I have felt it for a while, and I I do feel sometimes like I'm alone in this. That he, he kind of has suffered a loss of focus since leaving Red Bull, and I, I do feel like his priorities changed somewhere along the line, which is a real shame because you know at his best when he was winning races uh, alongside Verstappen, he really was one of the best drivers on the grid out there. And now we hear whispers, you know, of um, of of Colton Herter maybe coming to replace him in, in a few seasons. It does feel like the walls are maybe starting to close in on him and he, he is getting towards, you know, mid-30s now. Yeah, and if, if that was to happen, John, I mean, that again, same same sort of situation as Gasly. He's got a contract with McLaren until the end of next year. If, um, you know, if things do keep going the way they are, I mean, what would you say that would mean for his Formula One future? Uh, I think it's quite alarming, to be honest, Henry, for, for Daniel Ricciardo, because I thought this year was was a really good opportunity for him to to finally get to grips with McLaren, with it being a completely new car. It wasn't a continuation of the previous one, which Lando Norris was well used to. It was pretty much a start from scratch for, for, for both of them. And Norris has, has handled it an awful lot better. And um, yeah, Ricciardo just to me seems to be a clear number two driver at, at McLaren at the moment. Um, he was he was way down the pack again in Miami last time out. Uh, again, bit bit like Latifi. I'm not I'm not seeing an awful lot of encouragement in terms of his future prospects. And um, yeah, I mean it can still come right. I mean it did for him at Monza last year after a, a pretty disappointing season. So there's still a long way to go. But uh, in terms of the future, I, I mean I, if if it doesn't get any better for uh, for Ricardo this year, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a parting of the ways. Mm. But let's hope for his sake that he's able to turn it around because he's probably one of the most popular drivers in the sport, of course. But let's uh, let's round off by talking a little bit about the Spanish Grand Prix, of course. So 
home race for Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso, John, and um, Sainz in particular. I mean, he needs it for for his own championship hopes, but from from his own personal point of view, getting that first win in Formula One, especially at home, would be you know it would be really something for him and the sport, really. Yeah, most definitely. He did a, a promotional event um, for, for the race last week, and he said he was quoted as saying, "There will be nobody wants to win this this race more than me, uh, or even as much as me," which is perfectly yeah. understandable with it being his home race. Maybe Fernando Alonso might have something to say about that. I'm sure he'll be equally desperate to uh, to stand on that top step of the podium uh, if at all possible. But um, yeah, better from Sainz, wasn't it? In um, in Miami, finished uh, third on that occasion, uh, back on the podium after a couple of early exits. Uh, he'll have all the motivation he needs. This is the race he used to go to as a child. His, his father, uh, the two-time World Rally champion, uh, Carlos Senior, took him along to to meet Michael Schumacher when he was a little boy. So it's a race he's been going to for an awful long time. And I think he's he's up into the, I think, is it 130-something, 140-something races he's contested now without a win. It's long overdue and, uh, you know, there'd be no more popular winner this weekend. I mean, it still looks like very much the uh, the Claire versus Verstappen show, Oliver. But for for science, I mean, uh, Max Verstappen was quite keen to to say last year at Zandvoort that he doesn't get an extra tenth of a second at home, even if it was his home race. Because then, why would like, why would it be different for any other race? But from science's point of view, he really does look bang up for this one. It does. I remember a few years ago. I think it was his debut season F one. I think he qualified the Toro Rosso fifth on the grid. So I think it, it did give him a bit of a boost on that occasion. Um, obviously, he returned to the podium in uh, Miami after a, after a rough couple of weeks. Hopefully, you know that could be a turning point in the season. And the one thing he doesn't need is to be crashing and pounding more pressure um, on himself again in front of his home crowd. That would do nobody any favors. Um, but. Yeah, he, he he has a he has a massive role to play in, in supporting Lurks uh, on in supporting his teammates' title challenge from this point going forward. I mean, he probably won't be ready to admit that yet, John. I mean, he's still I mean, he's about what fifty odd points behind Leclerc now, but it, it feels like even though at this early stage of the season it's starting to get towards now or never territory for him, isn't it? Yeah, it's increasingly looking like a head-to-head battle for the title, isn't it, between Verstappen and Leclerc. Um, You'd say almost at this stage, sort of on a race-to-race basis, as well as the championship, it's it's a bit of a coin flip, isn't it, as to, um, you know, which of them is more likely to come out on top. Yeah, Sainz and Sergio Perez, for that matter, in supporting roles from now on, I would imagine. Uh, I don't think it's too early to say that, even five or six races in. I think that's the way it's playing out. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, Leclerc and Verstappen all the way from here. Yeah, um, so that actually was going to be my next question to you, John. Prediction for the weekend, is it going to be another shootout between those two? Yes, I definitely think it will be. Uh, the, the other thing to say is I think the weather looks set fair, doesn't it? I don't think there's going to be any any rain around. Um, looks looks as though it's going to be dry and sunny in Barcelona, so so that's not going to be a factor. Um, yeah, I think um, it, it'll be a straight fight for, for pole position. And then for the race win, who's got the greater race pace? I really think it's a 50-50 call at this stage. Maybe you would say that Verstappen's just got the momentum after those two race wins, but then we don't know what the Ferrari upgrades will um, will do for them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a close call at this stage. I think we'll have to sort of wait until the, the action begins on Friday to, uh, to make a real sort of uh, definitive judgment about it. Yeah, a lot of the same school of thought for you, or is there anywhere else you reckon can spring a surprise in there? Not particularly. I do think it's going to be uh, Leclerc and Verstappen all the way. Um, I, I would echo what John says. You know, it's it's impossible to tell at this stage. I think for the championship, I think we could do with uh, Leclerc taking another win. 
because as as Verstappen uh, builds momentum, I think it's going to be very hard to, for Ferrari to live with him. I, I, I do think it's going to be very difficult for for Leclerc to beat him in a straight in a straight fight without a without a decent car advantage. So for the good of the season, I, I, I would hope um, a Ferrari return to the podium uh, this weekend. All right, gents, thank you very much for joining me. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll catch up after the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. And thank you to you for watching or listening as well. Be sure to head to planetf1.com all week. We'll have you more than covered uh, across the race weekend as well. Uh, thank you very much for talk- watching Talking Point, and we'll be with you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.